0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Well, hello and welcome back to Book Journeys Radio. It, uh, we took a break last week, so it's been a little while. But we are happy to be back in the studio. And today we have quite a treat uh, with us. We have Jane Bernard. Jane, say hi to everybody.
0: Hi, everybody.
1: So we're going to be you. talking about, oh, Jane is in New York City, and she wanted you to make sure you all knew that. Uh, so uh, we are going to be talking about Jane's book, Fine Tuning, Connecting to the, to Your Inner Power. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to say that again. Fine Tuning, Connecting with Your Inner Power. And um, if you want to read more about that as we are talking today, you can look at fine com. Um, which is Jane's website, one of the many. And I what I'm so excited about, and Jane's a little bit of a ringer. Um I've known I've known Jane for uh over a year now, and while on book journeys every week we focus on what it took authors to complete their first book. Um, Jane's first book is not fine tuning, although we're gonna talk about oh, what it is to complete first book. That was is my that first your first book? book? No, yes. it was not. Yes, it was. Wow. Jane has been uh, writing and teaching writing for a long time, and that's I feel like you're, you're my writing guru. I can't believe that was actually your first book.
0: Right. So I'll tell you how it came book. to be. It, it was a complete surprise to me. I wasn't planning on writing a book when I wrote it.
1: Really? I so was, what's that story?
0: Well, the story is is that I was in a really unhappy marriage, and I felt I had no passion in my life. And I thought, what's the point of being alive if I don't feel passionate about living? And at the time, I was a writing professor. And I also ran workshops for writers, and I was published, pretty well published, you know, creatively and academically. So I just started writing what I was feeling, and I based it on um, what my senses, like what I was seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, and smelling. And what I discovered was when I was searching for my passion, I discovered my intuition, and and the way the book evolved was I would send, you know, I would send, like, what I was writing to a friend, and instead of them saying, oh, this is nice or this isn't nice, they would say... This is my life, and, and I realized that there was nothing unique about me. That my journey was to a universal destination. So I like put a couple pages together, and I would I would give it to someone as a gift, and they would they would say, "This has totally changed me," and um, it went on from there. And so I finally put it together as a book. And um, actually, what I did at the time because it. I was I was in a situation where I was financially well off, and I didn't need money. I actually sent the manuscript to Oprah, and I said, you can have this as long as you give a copy to every person in your audience for free every show. I don't even want to be on your show. But, of course, I got back one of those form letters, thank you for your submission. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. So, and then what happened is I self published it and I dropped the copy off at the Montel Williams studio here in New York. And and then three go? months that three months later I got a call inviting me to be on the show. Wow.
1: And, so yeah, a little more and, success with Montel than uh, Oprah?
0: Well, yeah, a lot more. Well, with Oprah, I had just sent the manuscript. And um, with Montel, by then I had self-published the book, and I actually handed in the book. So maybe that was the difference. With Oprah, I really got the total shaft that I get 999% of the time I try to do anything as a writer, which is, thank you very much, um uh we're not interested, you know, thank you for your submission. It doesn't fit our blah blah blah, you know. I don't even think they read what I sent them because I wasn't right. asking for anything. So, um the writer's journey is quite interesting. <laughs> well,
1: you talked about um you talked about ninety nine percent of the time hearing no and um I know that's something a lot of first time writers face and um and often that is one of the things that leads to either writer's block or just slowing down or stopping or shelving their project. And so mm-hmm. what I try and do on the show every week is just kind of give different perspectives on how how you get to actually being published and holding the book in your hand. So what advice would you have for new writers when they hit one of those obstacles, one of those no's that you've reached, um, in, in terms of getting past that and keeping moving forward.
0: Well, there's two things. First of all, um, am I correct that most of the people that we're talking to write self-help books? Yes. Well, so it's that non-fiction, is...
1: Nonfiction, self-help, how-to, and memoir, but a lot of them. Okay.
0: So all of that is books that really you know who your audience is. People who write the kind of books we're talking about are not your regular author. They're people who are on a mission. And and when you're a writer and you write a memoir or you're writing a how-to book or a self-help book, one of the things that can keep you motivated in going forward is knowing that you're going to be helping someone. And and. That's much more important than any kind of rejection. Um, my experience is I actually, with my second book, which is what you saw was my first book, um, I did have a real, a real publisher, I say that with quotes around it, as opposed to being self-published. And I broke up with them because I hated it it was it was it was a it was a very um suffocating experience so if you're a writer and you want to write a book it it's actually very easy to do it yourself and um one of the one of the very nice I mean, there are people like you, Angela, of course, who work very closely with writers, but I think you're unique. But I used CreateSpace for um, a book, and even though I didn't use all of their services, they offer all kinds of editing services and guidance services for very reasonable prices. And then you still get to have the entire profit from your book. Whereas if you um go through a regular publisher, first of all, they won't probably let you call your book what you want want to they won't um they won't release any kind of control to you whatsoever and then whatever they give you say like when I did it, they gave me five hundred dollar advance, which I returned but that whole advance is only an advance against your royalties so Five hundred dollars doesn't sound like a lot of money, but in fact, if they're selling your book for twenty dollars, which is a lot of money, but and you're, you'll probably get like two dollars from that by the time yeah, you pay back your five hundred dollar advance, you could be old and gray. <laughs> So and let's
1: even go, because a lot of people um, that I work with haven't written their book yet. They are still in the process okay. of writing their book. And okay. they have an idea in their head, mm-hmm. um, whatever it is, and they tell someone. And maybe it's a sister-in-law. Like, it doesn't even have to be Oprah. But they tell someone, right. and they get a little pat on the head that's like, well, if you want to do that, that's fine, but that's probably not going to work, and here are the 15 reasons why. How did, how did that ever happen to you and how did you deal with that how did you keep going
0: well that's that's such a great point you know we writers are very delicate and 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 the thing about the writing process is it mostly takes place in our unconscious way before it comes to our fingertips. And what used to happen to me, because I originally wrote scripts, I didn't write books, is I would be really excited about a story. I'd tell someone. They'd become involved with the story. And then, because I'm the writer, I would change it. And then I would tell them again, and they would be unhappy. And I realized that, hey, you know, When you're a writer, you really, unless you have a fellow writer who understands your process, you you either have to, you you really can't share your ideas with a person and take what they say to heart unless you're doing a survey, because nobody can really see the whole picture. You have to trust your vision as a writer, and um, when you're, Clear about the per- the reason why you're writing your book, who your audience is, and and what you want to um, to accomplish, then that's the most important thing. And uh, writing is a solitary thing. And if you find that you're talking to people and they they you know they say one negative thing, like for a writer, it's like punching a hole in a balloon. But that's not realistic because they can't see your whole picture. So I, I advise I never. I usually don't talk about what I'm working on while I'm doing it, unless it's with a, a writer or a person who I deeply respect and who knows that I'm writing it and won't, you know, destroy me. Interesting.
1: And um, how about writer's block specifically? I think you might even have some resources for that, but. Has that ever happened I do. to you I actually wrote, writing?
0: Right. I, I actually have a, a book that I wrote that's a very small little e-book. It only costs like $3 on Smashwords, and I think you can also get it on Kindle. It's called Knock Your Block Off, and it's a psychological approach for getting rid of writer's block, which I wrote because I often lecture on how to beat writer's block. And, and can you give um, us
1: one of the gems from there, something if somebody right now has... Writers block what you might say to them is one technique they
0: could use okay well, well the the first like there's there's some there's certain rules for knocking writer's block out of your way, and um you you really have to make them a habit and like one of the there's three things to start with, like the first one is don't battle yourself with guilt because um when you do that, that creates that builds the writer's block wall. The second one is don't waste your time writing stuff that feels wrong. If it feels wrong, it is. You have to trust yourself. And and really, instead of forcing yourself, it's good to pause for perspective. So one way to do that is to set a time limit of how long you're going to try to write if you have writer's block. Because right. when you have time limit what that does is it's you're clear about your priorities it means you only have 10 minutes to write i wouldn't give yourself like an hour cuz that's like a torture session i would start like at maximum 15 minutes and that gives a message to your unconscious that you're you're going to um only have a certain amount of time and and then it realigns your creative and emotional energies Um, and if, and, and like, if you're still blocked, then you just stop because writing when you're blocked, it doesn't mean that you're not working on it. It just means that you're at an intersection. And, um, when you hit a block, if you focus on respecting your process, you can free your creative energy from, from really the tyranny of the ego. A writer named Ralph Marston said, rest when you're weary Refresh and renew your body, your mind, and your spirit, and then get back to work.
1: Love it, love that. Um, yeah. So, so what were the hardest? What were the biggest
0: obstacles in getting your
1: first book? Is interesting because you really didn't even know you were writing a book.
0: No, right? I didn't, and, and it turned out to have a beginning, middle, and end. But it's a completely unusual book because you can open it to any page. You know, it's so, it's not chapters.
1: So when you decided, when you decided that was going to be a book, okay, um, you kind of had, you know, you had it written, you had maybe a first manuscript, manuscript or something. Um, yes. But when you decided it was going to be a book, what did any obstacles come up between when you made that decision in your head and when you were holding your book in your hand?
0: Um, yes, well, first of all, I just want to say when I decided it was going to be a book, one of the things I decided is it was going to be for truck drivers and secretaries, okay, and the reason why, why <laughs> the, the reason why is because to me, what I was writing about was really basic using your senses to connect with your passion. It was so basic, and I just wanted to make it, and so important, I wanted to make it as simple as possible. And I felt that my problem, which is what I was writing about, was was so fundamental that I wanted to write not for intellectual people who could probably solve their problem a better way, but just for the regular person who was frustrated like myself. So that was that was something that that inspired me to keep it simple. And in the kinds of obstacles I came upon because it was a long time ago, I had to figure out how to get it printed. And um I des- I had a, I designed the cover. I actually, I think I had some I hired a student to design the cover. And um I just you know I went to bookstores to distribute it, and they would you know they would take five copies I didn't charge them for the copies until they were sold and it was um the that it was it was the kinds of obstacles that are easy to solve now that we have self publishing as being really popular um i I didn't really have um there was no such thing as self-publishing except vanity presses. When I self-published Fine Tuning, mm-hmm. I did it in I did it in 2002, by the way.
1: And so, what do you between then and now, which is mm-hmm. ten years, let's say? What do you right. What have you learned that you wish you knew before before you actually wrote that book or decided to turn the, that, those writings into a book? But ten years you've probably learned a lot. I'm gonna
0: guess i have well, I have learned a lot. I've learned that writing is about not about sitting in a room. <laughs> I've learned that writing, even though it's a solitary act um, is really about your aud- totally about my audience but um, I don't think I'm really a typical writer in the sense that i I just marched to my own beat, and um I'm trying to think of a way I could give someone helpful information uh, the best thing I can say is I learned to follow the rules my uh, you know oh, subsequent,
1: that's interesting. subsequent
0: very, very important, like if you really want to be published and you know that there's certain rules that, for example um you can't have over a certain number of words or your for- formatting is really really important. I've been I've had articles published in like um Writer's Digest. I've had writers published in fashion art- articles published in fashion magazines, but the reason why is cuz I really followed the rules. I when I did the right number of words, I did the right size font. You can't get really you have to respect That must be hard
1: for I'm being serious. That must be hard yeah. for you. And so and I think that's true of a lot of our listeners. That that's not something that's gonna come supernaturally to them following the rules.
0: Right, so, but it but it
1: Because the reason
0: what that motivated me to follow the rules was realizing is that writing a book is not, even though the actual physical writing you do by yourself, the book coming together is a group project, or an article is a group project. When I've written articles for people's blogs, it's not just my idea, it's their blog. So if they like a certain format and they have a certain audience, we're a team. So, writing a team effort, and I think that's the biggest thing I learned that and it's actually-
1: i i've nobody I've interviewed a lot of people for the show, and nobody has said that and I think it's really interesting because I think writers are very special people, and they come mm-hmm. to what they do often with a strong sense of ownership
0: mhm, and oh, I yes, know they do. Right, like
1: I know you personally, and I know that following the rules for the sake of following the rules isn't something that would just be easy for you. And so I think that's a really good perspective that people can borrow if they find it helpful to Mm -hmm. say, you know, I can still be a writer, I can still be creative, I can still be a non-rule follower and choose Mm -hmm. to follow the rules when I want to participate in a group project
0: right and love, and this
1: I love that you know facileness that you give with that perspective that it's not oh. just draconian uh stupid bureaucracy, which it is maybe if you want to see it that way, but it's a group project, and you're choosing to be a part of it, and that means that you're going to do things differently than on your own project.
0: Right, and also for me as a writer, I recently had an article that I that just in May came out in Zinc Magazine, which is this really sort of avant-garde fashion magazine, and okay. I it was very edited, and you know it was really interesting to me in terms of ownership because you're right, we all are, and and it was like they had asked me to write about the philosophy of intuition or something like that, so I thought it would just be my words. But you know, you can really learn a lot from other people, and I find the biggest asset for me as a writer is to keep my mind open.
1: Wow, that's wonderful. So, just kind of switching gears a little bit. What do you think is the best thing that's come out of having your own book?
0: Um what's in your case? Well, there's two things. One of the one of the uh, things that I guess anybody would love is uh the fact that you get all the the royalties come to you like I sell right now for my for fine not for fine tuning but for am I really hungry? I'm selling about thirty copies a month, and even though I don't make huge money, at least I know I'm making money much more money than I would with a publisher, so that's mm-hmm. nice and but the thing that really comes to me, and this is very personal is that It's incredibly rewarding to me when that to know that my books help people help themselves. And how do you know that? What do
1: you even tell stories or yeah of what it's like to receive feedback? Because I think it would be great for people to have in their heads the types of calls or emails or feedback they might be Uh able to expect.
0: Well, I get emails. And and it and um my, I say And do you remember the first time it happened? Um yes, I, I think the first time it happened was after the Montel Williams show because that sold oh, a right. lot of books. And um I got and the emails I got were you know, it was your book has changed my life and I like it gives wow. me goosebumps even to tell you that because you know, I'm just I'm not an unusual person. I'm just a regular person who was striving to get clarity in her life. And if my clarity is a path to give other people this kind of liberation that clarity brings, I feel really blessed. And, you know, so that's what that's what I've learned from writing. It's really a gift. Wow.
1: And... Um... So, on your we've we've kind of talked about magazine writing as one way mm-hmm. one I'm assuming additional ways that you have used your books to generate revenue um, right. are, there other, and blog, right. are there other things that have come out of having a book other than your book sales so you're you know selling books every month and you get checks for that, and then you write magazine articles, which you can use your book to introduce yourself and you get some money from that. Are there other um, surprising maybe revenue streams that have opened up for you, things maybe you didn't expect when you first became an author?
0: Well, I was totally, uh, you know, I wasn't really thinking at all when I first started. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I mean, I write blogs, and that's a rev- you know that brings people in. I do a lot of radio and interviews and some television interviews, and um, what and and lately I've actually been doing uh, public speaking. Oh, so
1: okay.
0: it, talk about that. It, yeah, it's been well, yes. I got what happened is is for um my book Am I Really Hungry I have uh, this chapter called The Lucky Ones because I believe that anyone who has to um diet is lucky because there's so much hunger in the world and I try to do benefit, be part of benefits to feed the hungry. It's one of just something that I like to do for my own spirit. And I gave a talk at one of these benefits and someone heard me and recommended need to speak at the James Beard Foundation. And I did, and it was awesome. But I tell you, it's being a speaker is very similar to being a writer and different. It's similar in that like whenever I speak I also spoke this past month at an old age home. So, I mean, two very different audiences, but I do a lot of research when I speak. And I, and I just like when you write a book, you think about who you're writing it for. Like if you're writing a book for a certain audience, you're not gonna you're not gonna write it that's adults. You're not gonna write it for children. If it's you know, depending on who you're writing it for, you want to put it in their language. It's the same thing with giving a talk. Depending on who you're speaking to, you want to speak their language. And just like when you write a book, you want if you especially a self-help book, you want to give people examples that they can identify with the same thing with with speaking the biggest thing about speaking and i think the reason why i've been successful is that i'm i'm very um thrilled to do it and because it's exciting to turn people on so if you like to if you're really excited and turned on by your ideas and what you write about then you'd probably be a good speaker
1: and when you get introduced for a speaking gig, are you often introduced as an author? Is that how you identify yourself now?
0: Well, so far I've only been getting speaking gigs because I'm an author. No, but right. what I do is I ask I ask to be introduced as a philosopher. Oh, because, interesting. Because that's when my I have a that's when my bachelor's degree is in philosophy. Huh and i'm i'm working on a new book now that i'm i have to write this summer which is like no time at all but i'm i'm working on it it's a philosophy book and i'm working on it with um i just had a meeting talking to parson's uh school of design to have the design students do the graphics for it wow and because, so I think that, you know, if you're a writer, the first thing you have to do is just give yourself a certain amount of time every day when you're going to write. If you get into a routine, you'll program yourself. You have to trust your process Don't push it. You've got it. You know what you want to do. Breathe into it, and you'll discover that you may wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, keep a pad by your bed, whatever it works, works for you. I keep a little miniature tape recorder by my bed. And if I wake up because I don't want to write anything, I just talk into it. it sounds kind of weird, but you know the next morning yeah. uh, uh. <laughs> but but I've been able to like by tr- like especially like for the talks, I've been uptight because I'm not like really as experienced as a talker um so like instead of. You know, strangling myself with worry, which is a form of writer's block. I just trusted it, and then, like, I would wake up in the middle of the night, know exactly what I needed to say, and just say it into the tape recorder. Go back to sleep, totally forget it, but it would be it would be saved.
1: Excellent. Well, as uh, the last question, I always ask our um, I always ask our guests um, mm-hmm. when authors are going into the process, they've They've decided they're going to be an author. They're working on their book. They're excited about that vision of themselves, and they're holding right. this kind of vision of when my book comes. It's kind of like when I lose weight, I will finally go on that vacation or finally wear that dress or whatever it is. Um, people right. do the same thing for their books. When my book is done, when I am finally an author, I will do this. So. Um, I just wonder, from your perspective, leaving you know, kind of leaving our our listeners um, today, what do you want to leave them with in terms of what what was different than what you expected it to be as an author, from how your life as an author over the last ten years has actually been.
0: Uh, the biggest difference is the fact that you have have to you have to do everything yourself. There's like it's not like when i when i write a book i will be recognized and and everything will move forward that is not has never happened and even though i even got on the montel williams show i had like you know that was a brief flurry of something but it it's not your life it doesn't change just because you publish a book And as a matter of fact, the most shocking thing that happened to me when I first came out with fine-tuning and I would be on a radio show and I'd be so thrilled that I had published the book, every radio show they would say to me, so what's your next book going to be about? I did not even thought about writing another book. It was like, are you kidding me? Of course, I didn't say that. So, So, that was like one of the most shocking things to me. I mean, I'm used to it now, but in, in the past, it was like, I miss. It was like, oh my goodness, I just spent years doing this book, and it's just come out. You want to know what my next one is? People don't understand what it takes. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, what we do definitely here. Our, our listeners on Book Journeys are, are in the thick of the journey, and. um and now they'll know that they need to add to their to-do list. Decide next book. Um, <laughs> well,
0: <it's>, it just <laughs> it,
1: it's been great having you, Jane. Um, and I know you've helped a lot of people, so thank you. Um, Fine tuning dot com. Um, Jane Bernard was our guest today. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Angela.
1: Bye. Bye bye.